This is 15-Minute History, a podcast for educators, students, and history buffs, featuring the minds and talents of the University of Texas at Austin. 15-Minute History is a partnership of Not Even Past and Hemispheres in the College of Liberal Arts at UT Austin. Hi, everyone. I'm Marcelo Domingos from History Department, graduate student. Our guest today is Gustavo Melo Cerqueira. He's PG candidate in the Department of African and African Diaspora Studies. So, Gustavo, can we start with you presenting the general lines of your academic work in progress? Yeah, sure, Marcelo. Thanks for having me here. So, one of the things that prompts my work is that I always felt interested in investigating the relationship between politics and aesthetics in the arts, especially in theater and more specifically in Teatro Negro. When I say that I wanna, I want to investigate that relationship, one of the things that really prompts me is like, can we really understand or investigate what are the political dimensions that we can have in the ways in which that we put our bodies on stage, in the ways in which that we turn on some lights, in the ways in which that we wear some customs on stage, the kind of texts, the kind of dramaturgy. How can we think about those political dimensions that are not explicit in the lines that we say Uh, through our characters or even if we do not have characters. So I was always interested in that and more specifically in how Teatro Negro does it. So I worked for seven years in Cia dos Comuns, which is a Teatro Negro group in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, and it was founded in 2001 and it keeps working until now, but I worked with the group until 2008. It's a very prominent Teatro Negro group in Brazil, uh, both artistically as well as uh, politically. So uh, I realized that I could dive in the process of Cia dos Comuns to investigate a little bit more how I can bridge those connections between the artistic, aesthetic dimension and the political dimension. And I think that the black body can be the best instance to bridge those connections. So what is the Teatro Negro? Well, that's <clears throat> the hardest question <laughs> that we have, because I think that the common sense, we could say that Teatro Negro is the theater that's made by black people. But let me first explain why I use Teatro Negro in my research in Portuguese, and I do not use black theater. But uh, the option I have by doing so is that I want to make sure that people can try and understand what is Teatro Negro without trying to make it related or somehow making of it a consequence of black theater that is made in the U.S. or any part of the world. I think that we can talk about different relationships and also how they are related to each other, the theater that is made by black people in the U.S., by black people in Brazil, by black people in France, in different different parts of the world, but I don't think that we should establish any kind of hierarchy between those different forms of doing theater. So uh, doing my research in English, I would kind of be, I would have to write, oh, I'm talking about Brazilian black theater. So it has a kind of, well, is that any kind of derivation of U.S. black theater? So to avoid that, I use that in Portuguese like Teatro Negro so that I, I can talk about something that has its own autonomy. So that's one of the first things that I would like to say. But then there are several different definitions that we can use for Teatro Negro. Some of those definitions, they go through any kind of 
cultural performance that is made by black people. Others will say that any kind of theater that is made by black people uh, can be considered teatro negro. And some others will say that, no, it has to do with the kind of political commitment that you bring to the stage and the sociological issues that are related to racism and this kind of thing. So this is what we should call teatro negro. Well, Whatever is the definition that we choose, that we adopt to make a study about Teatro Negro, one of the things is that it's, it's unavoidable to consider the foundation of Teatro Experimental do Negro, which some people translate as Black Experimental Theater, in 1944 by Abidias do Nascimento as a landmark to the formation of many other Teatro Negro groups in Brazil, especially those that are politically informed, those that are concerned to enhance the subjectivity, the political subjectivity of black people. And that is in 1944. In 1944, you talk about the Vargas era, right? Exactly. That's a very, very important moment in the whole world, actually. We were talking about the end of World War II, yeah. right? So uh, that's the moment that we have lots of different shifts. There are some authors that also say that we have what can be called racial break exactly in that point. So the ways in which racial re relations They change a lot in the world starting in that moment. So, yes, that's the point when we're talking about a very strong government in Brazil that was really concerned with the formation of a national identity, especially since the 30s, right? So the discussion of national identity is a very old one, but we have this first half of the 20th century that this kind of discussion in Brazil was really, really strong. And I think that was one of the very smart moves that was made by Abidjan Nascimento that said, well, if this is the discussion at this point, where are black people in that discussion? So let's go in culture, let's go in theater and let's make that discussion goes and let's review our own contribution to Brazilian national project. Yeah, so that's very, very important at that point. But then there is something that we also need to remember because lots of people talk about Teatro Negro, they talk about Teatro Experimental do Negro in the 40s and many people have the impression that the presence of black actors in Brazilian theatrical stages they have started at that point. They started with Teatro Experimental do Negro, which is not true. Actually, the presence of black actors in Brazilian theater, it dates back to maybe we can talk about the 17th century and for sure in the 18th century and on. Hmm. According to you, Teatro Negro did not begin with the Teatro Experimental, Experimental do Negro. Can you present some considerations about this participation of black actors in Brazilian theater before 1940s? Yeah, sure. Because actually, uh, depending on how you define Teatro Negro, you can say, well, Teatro Negro, uh, it, it, it is initiated in the 40s. If we're talking about uh, what some authors like Evonita Vares Lima is going to call Teatro Engajado Negro or Engaged Black theater or black engaged theater or something like that, which is also one of the definitions that is used by Roger Bastide. Uh, if you 
think on this way, maybe you can say, well, this kind of theater in Brazil probably began in the 40s, like as an intentional political aesthetic project that makes explicit and anti-racist discourse. Maybe the, we're talking about a very particular experience that has this kind of intention to change things in the theater market and at the same time to have consequences in Brazilian society, being explicit about that. But it does not mean that the initiatives that happened before the 40s did not have those political dimensions as well. And also, we should not say that the very presence of black actors began in the 40s. No, it comes way back there. Let me give you uh, some examples. When we talk about theater in Brazil in the end of 18th century, for example, Uh, we're going to have Nelson Araújo, who is a theater historian, a Brazilian theater historian. He's going to argue that, and he shows evidences about that, that most of Brazilian casts in theater were composed by black people. Really? Yeah. And it goes until maybe mid-19th century. All the casts, most of the casts, they were composed by black people. And there are some reasons for that. So... Uh, Miriam Garcia Mendes, also another Brazilian academic, she's going to say that maybe because theater was not considered a good occupation, that was not something that the, the sons and daughters of society should be occupied with, that they were practiced by those who were marginalized in Brazilian society at that point. And that's why we're going to have lots of black people participating on that, because we cannot forget something that's really, really important. We are talking about a country that was founded upon slavery. We are talking about a country that is founded upon colonization. So colonization and slavery are two important axes when we are talking about Brazil, and of course not only Brazil, when we're talking about the United States, when we talk about all the other nation states that we have across the Americas, we're going to be talking about slavery and colonization. But in the case of Brazil specifically, we had a high number, a gigantic number of enslaved Africans who were brought to Brazil and who were enslaved in Brazil. There is a website that is very interesting and very didactic to talk about that. And this website is the slavevoyage.org. If you go to that website, you have different tables and things. And some of the data about that are very shocking. So if you pay attention to the number of slaves that officially disembarked in the Americas between the 1500s and the 1800s, you're going to have a total number of over 10 million enslaved Africans. 10 million? 10 million who went to the, across the Americas. But if you talk about Brazil, only about Brazil, you're going to see that almost half of this number went to Brazil. So we're talking about almost 5 million enslaved Africans who were brought to Brazil. So that's a huge number. If we compare, for example, with the North America, we're going to talk of a total of almost 400,000, not even a million. Not even a million. No. And then we, when we go to Brazil, we talk about almost 5 million. So that's a lot, which means that we had a huge 
presence of black people in Brazil at that point, right? So going back to, to talking about theater, when we turn to the 19th century, lots of things change in Brazil, right? You know very well that in the 1880 we had all that move of the Portuguese royal family that goes to Brazil. They run from the Napoleon Wars, I think. Exactly. So they moved to Brazil and they only, when we talk about the, the, the Portuguese royal family, we're not talking about three or four people. We're talking about lots of different ships <laughs> full of people because we have all those people who are following them to Brazil as well. So when we have Dom João VI, who was the Portuguese in, in, emperor at that time, he was a person who really liked performing arts because things were already changing in Europe. People were already trying, uh, really liking opera and all these kind of things. And it was different in Brazil, where most of people did not like those things. But then when you have the Portuguese emperor, the king, arriving there and say, yes, I like theater. Yes, I like all of those things. He gave money. He gave authorization to build the first national theater in Rio de Janeiro. Right. So that was the kind of person. So things start to change. So we have different people moving to try and do theater. But there is another thing that happens also a little bit further uh, when we talk about 1822, which is the independence of Brazil. So with independence of the Brazil, all those discussions about national identity, they are also intensified. And what is one of the biggest concerns that uh, the political society in Brazil and, and, and the politicians and Brazilian society have in Brazil at that point, the proximity with the black body. What we are going to do with this amount of enslaved people here? At the same time, we're, we're having lots of slave revolts happening. Yes. Right? So all those slave revolts across Americas, not only in Brazil, but across Americas, they were happening and people were really concerned. So Brazilian theater starts to reflect all those anxieties and all those concerns, right? And everything that I'm telling you here, you can find in those studies by Nelson Araújo and Miriam Garcia Mendes when they brought lots of evidences on this. So all those anxieties, they come to theater and then what happens? They begin to put away from the stage the black actors and they begin to configure and to consolidate the black character. So instead of having black actors on stage, you start to talk about them. Instead of having them performing European characters, European dramaturgy, they become the object of discussion. And with that, you also start to consolidate several stereotypes that you have in Brazilian society about hypersexualization, laziness, disloyalty, all those things that you see on black people, you start to consolidate in the black character, right? But when we go to the end of the 19th century, after the abolition of slavery, What you're going to see, well, there is the abolition of slavery, but you still have all those stereotypes. You still have all that rejection to the black body. You still see those bodies as exotic. If you say that they are exotic, it means that they do not belong. There are some external influences that you have in that society. So uh, in a certain way, when we study 
through theater, the, 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 the racial relations, the, the racial politics in Brazil, you see that those tensions do not change a lot with the abolition of slavery. One of the things that we need to consider when we talk about that is exactly because it depends on how we understand slavery. How can we define and can we understand slavery? So I think it's pretty much common sense that when we talk about slavery, we're talking about forced labor. And that's one of the things that we need to start to question, right? Because when you talk about forced labor, you were only thinking about those categories that are more related to the development of capitalism in economic sense, which is very interesting, of course, and very fruitful. So most of the times you think about these enslaved people as if they were exploited workers. But that's not exactly the point, because we're talking about those people who were brought to Brazil not considered people, but they were considered things. That difference will result in different things when we think about the ways in which our bodies are perceived in society and how we are still subject to an amount of violence that most of the other people who are not black are not subjected to. And I'm talking here very specifically about Brazil. So in picking one of the theories that I was studying here in the U.S. that comes from Frankie Wilderson, He brings uh, some ideas who are very interesting, and he's based on Orlando Patterson, who makes a comparative study about slavery. And one of the things that Patterson is going to argue is that forced labor is not one of the constitutive elements of slavery. Oh, no? According to Patterson, no, and it makes sense the other elements that he brings as the constitutive ones. So he thinks that forced labor is one of the contingential elements of slavery, That's what he argues. And he's going to argue that we have three constitutive elements of slavery. One is natal alienation, which means that the kinship between slaves are not socially recognized. The other one is the general dishonor, which means that the slave does not have his or her honor recognized. Only the master's honor is the one that extends to the slaves. And the other one is the gratuitous violence. And that kind of violence, we're talking about material and symbolic violence. Let me tell you something. When I'm talking here about these three constitutive elements of slavery, Orlando Peterson argues that those are the constitutive elements of slavery, not the constitutive elements of black slavery. Yeah, any kind of slavery. That's any it. kind of slavery, because that's the kind of experience that all people around the world have gone through and they can go through in different times. The difference, and that's one of the arguments that Wilderson is going to bring, is that the idea of slavery in a kind of way became too attached to the ways in which the black body is perceived. So even after abolition of slavery, even after emancipation, even after reconstruction, we are still subject, for example, to an amount of violence that most of people in the societies we live in are not subject. That's one of the things that will impact a lot, and that's what I am investigating, how Can we, as black actors, can we bring this kind of experience to the stage? And how can we deal with the ways in which we are 
misperceived. And I'm using this term misperceived as Harvey Young proposes in his book, Embodying Black Experience, to say that many times people look at us and do not perceive us. They project onto us lots of ideas that they have already built about us. So how our bodies are able or not to deploy politically and aesthetically some notions and strategies of identity, visibility, and representation to enhance black political subjectivity. Well, so what is the relation between the Teatro Negro and the Brazilian racial politics? When I go back to the Teatro Experimental do Negro, and then I will also bridge with the group that I'm working with, which is Companhia dos Comuns. But if we go back to Teatro Experimental do Negro, it's very interesting. When you go to the history of Teatro Experimental do Negro, you're going to see that many people are going to talk about Teatro Negro as a landmark to Teatro Negro in Brazil, in a broader sense. And many people are going to talk about Teatro Experimental do Negro as a landmark to black movement in Brazil. <laughs> It's very interesting how that particular initiative and, of course, all the personality and everything of Abidjizu Nascimento was able to make uh, that political... That's why I used to say that uh, Teatro Experimental do Negro is a political aesthetic endeavor. It's not only political, it's not only aesthetic. Uh, even in, in, at the time of the foundation of TEN, a few years later, in a newspaper that they, in a kind of a magazine, but it was really a newspaper that they had named Quilombo. They used to say, Abidjiz Nascimento used to say that Teatro Experimental do Negro was a kind of a sociological experiment, actually. It was a sociological investment. Impressive. And one of the, of, of the main objectives he had was really to insert uh, black people in Brazilian society as making part of Brazilian society. So uh, it's very Teatro Negro, especially Teatro Experimental do Negro, is very teleological in this sense. There is a goal that goes beyond the aesthetic experience that they want to achieve. And that's pretty much what we have nowadays also with Companhia dos Comuns. When we talk about Companhia dos Comuns in 2001, let's remember that uh, in 2002, we elected Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva as the president. That's when we start to have lots of people from social movements starting also to participate in political institutions as well, right? So all the artistic research that is made by Companhia dos Comuns since 2001 goes along with a very close debate with some state agencies and institutions. Uh, one of the things that Companhia dos Comuns did, for example, was to found the Forum Nacional de Performance Negra, which is the National Forum of Black Performance. And the main reason for the foundation of this National Forum of Black Performance is to put groups, Teatro Negro and Dança Negra, Black Dance and Dança Negra groups together so they, they could discuss and propose some public policies. Right. So that discussion happened not only among us, the artists, but we also invited to those discussions the representatives of several state agencies in Brazil. And we actually had some results about that. Funarte, which is an organ of the Ministry of Culture in Brazil, started to make some of those announcements and give some sponsorship. But in the criteria of selection of the projects, they started to 
take into consideration race, which was absolutely uncommon in Brazil to do. So affirmative action, in a way, since 2000, it goes into the cultural politics in Brazil as a consequence of not only the national form of black performance, but certainly and mainly because of this kind of initiative that was made by Companhia dos Comuns, for sure. Thank you, Gustavo. <laughs> Thank you for bringing your historical dimension of your work. And uh, I really want to read when I'm <laughs> ready. Thank you, Gustavo. <laughs> Thank you, Marcelo. Thank you, everybody. For a transcript of this episode, images, and links to more information, visit our website at 15minutehistory.org. That's the numerals 15minutehistory.org. You can access our full catalog of episodes free of charge at our website and through the iTunes U app for iOS or the Tunes Viewer app for Android. You can also access the 10 most recent episodes through the Apple Podcasts app, Google Play Podcasts, Stitcher, and Overcast. 15-Minute History is produced in partnership between Not Even Past and the Hemispheres Outreach Consortium. Our executive editor is Joan Newberger, and our technical editor is Christopher Rose. Our audio engineers are the awesome folks in the Liberal Arts Instructional Technology Services, Jacob Weiss, Morgan Honecker, Will Kurtzner, Samantha Skinner, and Michael Heidenreich. Special thanks also to Michael DeLeon, iTunes U site administrator with Project 2021 and Educational Innovation. The University of Texas at Austin is a free speech campus. Opinions and viewpoints expressed in episodes of 15-Minute History do not represent the official position of the University of Texas or of any of its colleges or departments. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.